and then move as I get my clearance if I think it's necessary. But it pays well, and it's but it's in Virginia, so that's kind of fucking expensive. Well, you can, can always you, hang can out. Can you guys hear my kids? Yes, clearly. yes, very clearly. Oh, yeah. They're in the conversation. Mm. <laughs> huh. it's, it's definitely part of the show at this point. Oh and, yeah, people people know your kids. And you probably should just make a cartoon version of Ophelia and Kazen and put sprinkle them in the book and see if it just Easter eggs. Hey, is there any way to quiet Ophelia? Yeah, there is. <laughs> you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me, son? She gave me a quick no when there's obviously options. Okay, let's start. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, episode number 61. I am your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. And I'm host number three, Corey. And we're going to celebrate Gucci Mane getting out of prison by That's telling right. you about escrowmybits.com. <laughs> Goose. Uh, I don't see the hashtag. What was it? Hashtag ice cream face paint job. Ask ice cream face tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let, let's tell you about Escrow My Bits because they're really super cool and uh, it's super fast. And nowadays, a lot of things take like 10, 15 steps, but this only takes three. All you do is register and deposit your Bitcoin. The seller will ship the item, the buyer will check the goods and release the funds. Super simple. And they currently offer Bitcoin escrow on chain pegged to a fee of value using NewBits. And if you're not familiar with NewBits, it is the world's first stable digital currency. They charge a small flat escrow fee of 1% on all transactions, and they even offer you the ability to split the fee with the other party. So uh, go to their website and sign up for their newsletter. Stay up to date. That's escrowmybits.com. And uh, a quick plug, in August, I am going to be in the Boston area attending the MIT boot camp as a mentor to the students there on behalf of the podcast. And I'm going to try and bring uh, at least Dimitrik with me, if I can. Um, boot camp? While the digital... Whoa. And then Corey, if he's stateside. You're using my uh, government name. Why are we putting it out there? What is this? Uh, when? Yeah. August. August? August. Early August? I'm coming back to 25th. I don't know yet. When are you coming uh, back to while the, the States? Digital... 25th, I just said that. Okay. The 25th. Uh, while the Digital Currency Initiative is housed at the MIT Media Lab, it's it's composed of professors and students, um, but it also has computer science and like art- artificial intelligence and all that. So in total, there's going to be 40 graduate students working on 
15 different research projects in uh, a number of areas. So uh, cryptography, finance, open data, and personal data platforms. So just a heads up, if anyone wants to hear me speak or just come out and say hello, I'll have a hard copy of exact dates soon. So, so, it's, a, so it's official. You're going. It's going. I just got to get more details on it. But um, you know, I'm going to come out there. I'm going to be representing the podcast and uh, teaching the, the youngsters. Sweet. Who will be making more money than me when they are my age? So it's kind of <laughs> weird. Especially if you turn them on to the blockchain, Bitcoin blockchain phenomenon that's no doubt going to sweep the world and make everything. Make a them bit. sign a press release or some type of affidavit or whatever the correct legal word is for them giving you money when they make a lot of money because you taught them. Yeah. That would be Do nice. That. I don't know how that works. Yeah, we might record a show live from MIT. <laughs> I know one thing. If you are able to pull some strings and you get me out there, I'm going to go everywhere John Nash went. Can you can you just be like um y'all seen have y'all seen the uh the not the interview, the interns? With uh the interns. Vince Vaughn and yeah. Owen Wilson? Yeah. Can you be like Vince Vaughn in that movie and just what? Yeah, that'd be us. Uh, oh, we got everything happy. wrong and like just call the school Mitt. Like I'm really happy that Mitt decided to, you know, invite me over to do this type of stuff and refused to call it MIT. Oh, it was Mitt. Mitt. <laughs> you know, I hear Mitt is a really is good. Is that school where John Nash was? Movie. Yes. Was he at MIT? Yes, I believe he was. That was- about to give fact checks on. Let's let's do some fact checking real quick. Let's take a second and fact check. Uh, John Nash, MIT. Let's see if he was there. We have to talk about something while we fact check. We can't just yeah. So while stare we, at the screen. While we fact checked. So the D talk D type. Well, the biggest news in Bitcoin slash blockchain that I think. Uh, today was probably the Goldman Sachs is saying like, hey, maybe they were right about Bitcoin. It's really kind of awesome as a cash. I mean, that's pretty much what Goldman Sachs said. So, well, I mean, it's we're seeing a lot of this now. Yeah. It's I think that um, so a while ago, near when we started this podcast, we talked a lot about how banks were just hating on Bitcoin. They're like, oh, it's stupid. Uh, these little these little kids in their in their in their toys. It's not a big deal. It's not the future. It'll fail. And what in reality that was the you know the outward facing statements of what they made. And then they're like they the camera turned off and they probably said, all right, um, let's assign a team to start looking to see what it's really about, what it is. And, and a year goes by. And we're starting to see that those teams are like, uh, banks, we, we probably need to do this. You know what I mean? And this is something that is real and we need to, it's, it's going to be the future and we need to find a way to incorporate it into what we do. And that's what we're seeing now is they've built these applications or, or you know, press releases and, and things that they can come out with because big companies don't just say, Dumb shit without anything without without having researched it for a long period of time. They'll just say so they'll just say blanket statements until they have banks. 
Go ahead. You're saying that banks are like in different stages of denial, and this one just made it to the acceptance stage. Yeah, but it's it's also I feel there's a there's a, a public face to banks, and they're not going to tell you what they're doing until it's too late for you to stop them, or like they're not going to say the one they'll never admit they're wrong. They'll just say how they were right at the time and things have changed or, you know, they'll make some type of political dodge to save face. And two, they're not going to talk about something they don't know about too much. And when they come out with something as acceptance, they'll probably do it after a long period of, of internal research. And it's been a long period of internal research and they're starting to come out and say, Okay, we've been looking at this for a while now, and you know, shit's cool. We want to get it. We want to be a part of it. And all of them are saying it. There's no bank that's still saying Bitcoin, accepting it and trying to incorporate it differently. But they're all accepting it and trying to incorporate it. And I think that's due to the past year of all searching it on low. Okay. We keep it all the way real here at the Bitcoin Podcast. Uh, and Corey, you're jumping around sound-wise. Oh, it might be because I was uploading that file to Slack. It's done now, so maybe it's better. Okay. Yeah, he entered the Matrix where the goo goes down his throat. (laughs) You were going in and out of the Matrix? Good old, good old Brazilian internet. (laughs) Do one thing on your network, it's fine. Do two things every... Everything shuts down. (laughs) Well... I know one person at Goldman Sachs, and nobody there really takes Bitcoin serious for public transactions. And I, I talked to him today, and he said that the attitude is that it just – they think it's, it doesn't scale, and it will be regulated out of existence once the government starts enforcing compliance. Huh. Uh, there is a possibility of not scaling. I mean I think that the, engineer, the engineers behind Bitcoin will find a way to make it scale or find something that scales if Bitcoin doesn't. Um, but scaling is the number one problem of all cryptocurrencies right now. I think it's regulation. I don't know. I think regulation for an emerging technology is a double-edged sword. Because on one hand, regulatory clarity is is helpful for investors, entrepreneurs, developers, and users as it removes a certain amount of doubt over what actions are illegal. But on the other hand, if we get regulation wrong or we issue regulations too early – we might handicap companies and users from tapping into the full potential of this technology. I think that Bitcoin is going to be most successful in its outside-of-the-box appeal. I mean, even in that article that I read today about um, Goldman Sachs saying Bitcoin is the shit as currency, they even put a little footnote in there like, Bitcoin would be great for the $4 billion unbanked. But then they basically said something that was like, but who gives a fuck about those guys? Isn't the world economy already yeah. awesome? <laughs> and I was like, really? Yeah, without mass adoption. I mean, you know. So well, there's let no me ask telling. You, what do you view as the most serious threat to this, to the potential? Of Bitcoin? The most serious threat? Uh, not scaling and not coming together as a community to build Bitcoin as a better currency. I think that's the biggest mm-hmm. threat. I think the biggest threat the biggest threat to anything is always itself. Personally, if a company the company's threat is itself, but take it all the way back to shit we talked about a long time ago, Blockbuster killed itself. 
they were offered, they had an opportunity to buy Netflix. And they were like, you know what? We're already really awesome. And we only really compete with ourselves. And we're good. So we don't need that. And now, what the fuck is Blockbuster? Kids, the kids I teach don't even know what it is. <laughs> like, they don't so even weird. know what it is. It's By the weird, way, but... there's a Blockbuster like three minutes walk from my house. <laughs> Did in you Brazil. Tell them they're still here. Did you say, do you guys know you're out of business? I think a Brazilian just found the sign and was like, I'm going to put this up. I'm going to put this in front of my store. That is an awesome blue and awesome yellow. Um, there's like that same book that I, that I recently read called Originals um, talks about um, what tends to hold back um, – development in a certain area or like change or being, you know, drastic change in an environment, which Bitcoin would be. And it turns out that, um, with past innovations, the majority of the things that held them back from, from succeeding earlier was internal strife and fractured communities trying to achieve the same goal, but not compromising with each other on how to do it. Yeah. Um, and they used the woman's suffrage of America uh, to. Is the two giant fractions. Oh, can you? Am I still screwing up? Yeah, it's. I think I can work with it, but uh, it is interesting, nevertheless. It's like listening to the Matrix bot. I'll be back. Give me a second. Well, I'll pick up where Corey left off because I think I had an example as well. Even with innovations like you, as, you don't want to talk about Gucci Mane. Um, well, while Corey's gone, we could talk about Gucci Mane for a sec. Gucci Mane is free, y'all. Sounds like sounds like the perfect opportunity. You know, you think he you think he's in the studio like immediately? I think he's been in the studio the whole time. That's what I honestly think. We're clearly having technical issues. Gonna try and get Cello and Corey back in here. Serenade you guys with my voice in the meantime. Oh, yeah. Uchi. Now that we're not having technical difficulties and everybody's back, um, let's either we're gonna start talking about Gucci. Or we're going to go into what Corey was talking about, using women's suffrage as an example to show that the biggest threat to a brand new innovation or anything that's disruptive is internal strife within the community that is trying to proliferate it. Yeah, so, so I, don't remember, I don't remember the names of the two sects of women who were um, trying... Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I tried not to. Uh, Sects, S-E-C-T-S... Of women um, who were trying to push forward women's suffrage at the time, um, but it could have been done many years earlier if they hadn't been essentially sabotaging each other to get the job done. Um, and what one side would compromise by trying to work with leaders who were trying to deny the black 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 suffrage at the time, but promote women's suffrage and. The other party didn't like this, so they essentially sabotaged each other to, so that nothing got done. Um, and 
the fracturization of the community essentially stifled the innovation. And we're seeing similar things in the Bitcoin community to a very, like, you know, we all hear the term Bitcoin maximalists quite a bit. Um, I think they'll be essentially, I don't really think they have that big of a stake in the entire community. And the majority of people who are in Bitcoin um, are open to innovation. It's just you have people who want to essentially wait for other people to make innovations and then incorporate it into Bitcoin. Very much like, uh, I don't know if you've seen the recent news of Jeff Garzik releasing Block, which is what he calls it as a Bitcoin, an Ethereum plugin for Bitcoin. So it's a layer two technology of smart contracts or that are programmed in any, whatever common language you want, JavaScript, Python, whatever the normal develop, development languages are that works on top of Bitcoin. Hmm. Um, very similar to, I guess, what it's either a part of or very similar to what Rootstock is doing um, and enabling, enabling side chains and things like that. So that's kind of what we used to talk about before Ethereum blew up was Bitcoin being like all of the altcoins being experiments that can take place. And whichever one really thrives and works out for a year, it can then be incorporated into Bitcoin in some way, shape, or form. Now, I'm curious how the next year is going to be if we see multiple altcoins thriving amongst each other or exactly that scenario of Bitcoin incorporating the functionality of a thriving altcoin and the altcoin dying. I don't personally see that happening because of the development atmosphere and governance of Ethereum. Mm-hmm. where you just simply don't have that in Bitcoin. And I don't see a f- foreseeable future of that happening. So it's... Do you... Go ahead. But there tends to be one, Victor. Like a- a- another example of an innovation that is commonplace now, that there was some internal strife, and even there were some legal issues, I believe, was flight, manned flight. Mm-hmm. The Wright brothers had some competition from some jabroni like right down the street. And there was, there were some legal battles that took place between them. But the Wright brothers ended up obviously winning that and securing the legacy. Like they got the food stamp in history. And I just so happened to see this on like the history channel or something weird. And you know, that other part of the, excuse me, excuse me, what? Nothing. No, no, no. <laughs> you, you said a thing. I was just, you know, giving you, giving you the floor. What did you have to say? Um, you said you watched the History Channel. That's awesome. What'd you learn? I learned that the Wright brothers had some competition down the street from some dude who's also trying to create a flying machine, which is what they called it, flying machine. So. It's, I don't know. Uh, like Andreas talks about this quite a bit, and, and that any major innovation and change and real Nerd. what he calls... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> infrastructure inversion, you know, when, you know, something comes along that changes the way things are done at a fundamental level. And then the old ways of doing things then work on top of the new way, as opposed to the new way trying to settle into the old way. Yeah. Um, I saw he talks quote. about the idea of like it, as we look back and say like cars in general were invented Henry Ford made them, and afterwards everyone was happy and it thrived. 
looking back in the history of this as as like a, a super, at a superficial level, it seems like that's what happened. But it was really an ongoing strife and struggle to get these things to become adopted. And it was for a long time they were stupid. Nobody liked them. Everyone said they would fail, etc. And it was it was a hard battle. And anything worth changing, or sorry, anything that's this large of a change isn't going to be easy to implement because you have ingrained people that you have to then change their minds of, or at least take a shitload of money away from them. So it's going to be hard, but in the future, whatever, whatever does happen, whether it be either of the two scenarios or a different scenario that I didn't name, we're going to look back at this and say, Satoshi Nakamoto came up with a white paper. Everyone was happy. And now everyone uses a cryptocurrency mm-hmm. because it's it's clearly the best way to go. Yep. But since we're in the middle of this shit, we're gonna we're gonna have to be a part of it. We're gonna have to be in the middle of it and and get through the trenches. That's cool, man. We're the pioneers. We're the all of uh, us are people who are listening to this and the people who are developing things. Us making the show. It's it's we're right in the middle of this. It's really cool. We're making the maps for people. We're cartographers of the digital expanse. Sounds good. Can I put that on my resume? You can, I think. Nobody's going to call you on it. And if they call you on it, then you can go into detail about what we do. What you do. So here you're a cartographer? Yep. You make maps. (laughs) So why is that even a thing? Have you heard of Google Maps? It's like, don't you question my resume. Huh? Oh, so I'm not getting the job. I meant cartography with a capital C. Um, what I'm talking about is encompassing the idea of <laughs> <laughs> not a not a lowercase c. No, 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 no. You're thinking too small level, sir. Um, damn. What was I going to say? I for oh. I totally forgot. Oh well. Maybe maybe that's a good sign. Maybe it's sign we get the interview time. Yeah, maybe we get uh, Frank. Uh, <laughs> I did not know how to say that last name. I'm sorry, sir. No, he um, he told us that uh, we we couldn't pronounce it in his native tongue. If you so want to hear the way it's fine. done, you can just listen to him talk. Okay, because yeah. he says it on the interview. Okay. Um. So a little bit about him. First off. He lives in Sweden. So that was fun to do because it took Corey and I three weeks to get it right. A part of that was my fault. So crazy. I just didn't wake up. <laughs> Slept right through that shit. Yeah. I wasn't but available. It was worth it, though. It was cool. Yeah, it was great. Um, a little bit about him. He is, you know what? I wanted to give a little bit of variety, but, you know, we, we interviewed Kraken last week and now we're going to give you another exchange interview because he's the CEO of the fellow. Um, he's heading the efforts to help tens of thousands of customers in and out of the cryptocurrency economy in a safe and compliant way. Uh, what's cool about him is it, it's the first company to close a Bitcoin proof of concept with a tier one bank, which was Barclays. And he's attempting to reinvent their service by adding identity as a layer on top of the Bitcoin blockchain. So it creates an easier to understand experience that more people are accustomed to. So think of it like uh, Facebook for your Bitcoin wallet. Um, I guess that's the easiest way I can explain it. So this was a good interview. It was me and Corey at like 5 a.m. Wait, 
if it's Facebook for the Bitcoin wallet, that doesn't appeal to anyone like 18 and younger. So, shit. It's the idea. It's the social network of, of Bitcoin. Oh, okay. I took that way too literal. Yes, you did. And it was a metaphor to begin with. So Facebook with a capital F. <laughs> I'm really into that now. The capital. The capital. <laughs> Remember, was it, has anybody been around long enough to be a part of the Facebook.com? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. That's I was a part of it when it was all universities. God, internet time is so fast. That documentary, The Social Network, that was like seven seven years ago or something. Like that. Interview. Okay. Here it is. With shoes. Yeah. All right, Corey. Let's uh, let's start hitting them with these hard hitting questions. Let's do it. Uh, most people start these Q and A's off kind of asking you to explain, fellow. But I'm more interested in how you became such a good entrepreneur and a great thinker. Also, in addition, a great public speaker. Worthy of people's precious time listening to. How did that kind of all start? That's a big statement you're making right there, <laughs> right there. Whether it's worth listening to this, but or to me at all. But um, um, I guess you know my background is uh, I'm originally Dutch, and I started my first company uh, straight out of uh, 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 university, um, which is a location-based social network. It was actually my my final project, and. I convinced everybody at, at, at the university to, to basically uh, 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 drop everything that was part of the re uh, recommended uh, curriculum and instead let me do this as a final project. So that was, that was fun. And then that was a location-based social network. So before Foursquare, which I guess you guys are familiar with. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was drawn in that one uh, to, the, uh, to the concept of the mirror world. So you mirror whatever happens in reality in a virtual environment and then you can influence that through a virtual world. I still think it's a fascinating concept and I think Google is really far ahead with it. Um, we were trying to piggyback up what Google built there uh, to essentially create this mirror world on, in, and create social layers on top of a, of a map um, in order to create a social network, uh, which is really cool, but very early. And um, we turned it into a, a company that was selling social mapping uh, layers, um, and then I sold my shares in that one. So and then I started another company, uh, which was an inner positioning company, um, which was basically with GPS outside. We were doing inside buildings where GPS doesn't work, which is a super hard, <laughs> difficult problem. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> and and there are many different technology uh, solutions to do it, and. Uh, you know, I can I can geek out about what we were doing, but uh, so that was my second company, and then another one. So I, I guess to the extent that I have have uh, I'm worth listening to is that I have done nothing but startups, and I've always tried to go for very difficult and, and probably try to bite of more than I can chew, or how you say what is the saying, something like that. Bit off more than I yeah, chew. I always try to go for the hardest and, and big, biggest markets and the hardest problems. And of course, that naturally leads you to Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency and blockchain. Isn't that the truth? Mm. And then um, you have twin boys, correct? Yeah, they're one and a half now. Yeah, I have I have two small girls myself. So I, I was around the same age, actually. So I was I was wondering, maybe you can help me. 
what is your thinking in terms of beginning their financial education? Are you are you planning on starting as early as elementary school? Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I I, I was wondering about that. Like, what what are you getting taught in school about finance and just managing money and and really nothing of the sorts except for pocket money that you give as your parents to to uh, uh, to your children. There's no real education on schools uh, when you're at that you know at younger age about you know what to do with your taxes and what to do that you get like macroeconomic teachings in high school but nothing on the of the practical kind like how should you you know invest your money or how should you think about your money right um, and still today like if i have conversations with people around me they know so little about money um and it's just staggering if 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 you work nine to five for you know five times uh, five days a week uh, to earn something that you literally know nothing about. Uh, that's, you know, it's yeah. kind of interesting. But I, I would say uh, um, I, w- I would just uh, take some cryptocurrency and put it in their, uh, in their uh, crypto vault and then they can access it and they can start uh, doing things in it when they're smart enough to do something with it and uh, try to teach them by doing and try to explain them as much about money as I can uh, as far as I know and, and, and for me it's still a subject that I'm trying to learn more about it's like a never ending uh, um, uh, a journey to learn about about economy and then money which for me it's been a fascinating journey which is really my interest was started in, in, in with blockchain and bitcoin and before that more on a superficial level I would say there's definitely um, I guess Andreas Antonopoulos talks a little bit about this all the time in that um, children can't get a bank account until they're 16 or 18 or of a certain age and I guess the children that are growing up now are going to be using Bitcoin until they have the ability to open up a, a, a bank account and when they do so they're going to be like what the hell is this what are all these arbitrary rules and it I guess Bitcoin allows us to really do a good job of teaching them about the concept of money, even though you know we're all kind of relearning what it is in the first place. Um, the, the the idea of value transfer in the in the natural markets that build around it is pretty broad and pretty abstract. And starting at an early age, I think would be pretty pretty valuable. Yeah, absolutely. But I I think they get in touch with at least the concept of currencies and, and tokens in, in, in games. So they get that experience today in, in, in the gaming communities. And the cryptocurrency has this unique capability of then putting real economic value in it that you can exchange in, in sort of the real the quotation marks economy. Um, but um, uh, the, the, the concept of a bank account, I, I think that will quickly disappear. Uh, you know, even you know, even Europe. I don't know how familiar you are with the European market, but um, what is happening now with the PSD two, the Payment Service Directive two, which requires financial institutions to open up, so they have to enable third party services to directly um, uh, open up the data. That's already gonna deteriorate the notion of having a bank account with one specific bank. Huh. Now you're you're quite you're quite. Um... I guess for this open door policy, as a CEO, um, people are asked uh, who people who want to ask you something can do so anytime at any any 
anything they want via the wise like which is i think pretty amazing and you don't sit behind an iron iron veal like we kind of think about financial technology executives what's your thought process on i guess the underlying benefits of of an open door policy both for you and for Cefelo? yeah it's it's sometimes a little scary it's like you you obviously expose yourself to people are smarter smarter than you would know more more about you and have particular thoughts about how you run the business but um, I think I think transparency is key. Um, um, in a way, controlled transparency, of course. Like you have, you're going to have some secrets, uh, trade secrets, or or deals that you're working on that you're not disclosing. Um, but that transparency also helps people to understand and be part of the mission that you're trying to uh, uh, to accomplish. Um, and and I think for us, we 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 also did that with the crowdfunding rounds. So we we have a lot of shareholders. So frequently communicating with them and being transparent to them um, not only avoids um, um, any disgruntledness if if you hit some roadblock, but it also uh, helps them uh, with with uh, uh, being supportive of a next round or just the, the company's journey. So in our case, we we're looking at a crowdfunding round now, and already half of it is covered by the existing investors. Um, and I think it's precisely because we we try to be as transparent as possible. That's I definitely support that 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 the way you're doing things and that type of thing. I, I, I would prefer to use services like that where I can see the transparency. And if I have a question I can ask and if uh, they don't want to tell me, they can just say, I don't want to tell you, or they can open up and, and say more things. And I guess, I think the, the most extreme example that I've seen, I think is buffer that, that's, that's even uh, disclosed like the full financials of every, everyone's uh, salary and stuff. It was a, quite a, a famous example of, of really going hardcore uh, on another, another level of transparency, um, I, 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 we haven't gone there yet. Um, but I think it's interesting, and I think in a way that that's interesting about blockchain technology as well. And in the one way, it's super transparent, and the other hand, it also uh, is embraced by people who want who want privacy for their financials. Um, I did not go know what I was going with that, but just <laughs> throwing out there. <laughs> Having a conversation. Uh, I guess we changed change the gears a little bit. Thanks, uh, thanks to y'all's partnership, Barclays has been testing ways to trade derivatives uh, using uh, smart contracts and, and blockchain-like technology. But smart checks are, are quite a bit at a very early stage. Defi- can you define um, exactly what they what they are and how they would work, work and uh, why it's still such a challenge? What is your stance and and all of this uh, on smart contracts, yeah, and and Barclays' use of them. So we weren't involved in any like smart contract uh, setup with with Barclays. I think the latest one that I did was uh, with R3, uh, with the Corda platform, uh, where they where they did a swap swap on the blockchain. Um, so I, you know, in in terms of smart contract, uh, I th- I think the potential is that you can do anything on the blockchain that you want to do, whether it's financial or legal or any, touch any in, uh, industry where you want to have an immutable ledger uh, record as well as that you want to um, um, lock certain things in it as well as set certain parameters for certain contracts that you want to execute on. Um, and I think it's very early days. I've seen very few examples that actually um, have deployed something. There's some experiments with um, a blockchain technology 
I saw a, a proof of concept of identity on the blockchain that I thought was very interesting by Deloitte that they did now, where they actually uh, have your KYC information in a database, but you then cryptographically sign it on an Ethereum blockchain uh, where you can give specific access to that information to certain uh, uh, parties in order for them to allow to piggyback off the KYC that's initially done by uh, ultimately the blockchain company that is storing that information, in this case Deloitte. Uh, so I think that's a great example. At the same time, um, it's, it's very early days and I see very few use cases that gotten to a usability level where an average consumer would benefit from it. In, in my view, what I would like to see on, on our platform is where we can uh, leverage these technologies to help uh, uh, individuals but also small medium businesses basically not only manage their financial life but also manage their legal life so everything that requires paper now um, we can put it on the blockchain and then there there's some more advanced uh, things with the DAO, uh, DAO uh, where you you know you have really autonomous organizations with voting on the blockchain and stuff like that. It's it's super experimental but very interesting. Um, as it relates to Barclays, I I think that they did this one swap on the Corda platform. I don't know too much about what they're building there. Uh, there's not a lot of information available about what Corda is doing. Um, but I know who's who's running it, and, and 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 I know that they've been successful with that particular swap, and they integrated with the Barclays platform. Um, whether that's going to work the way they envision it, I'm not entirely sure. Um, they still need to probably clear it with other types of uh, financial institutions uh, because it's a networking technology. So whether they are able to 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 use this quarter platform in a wider scale or whether this is an experiment and have to move to something else i it's a little bit early to tell and as someone with a, a good understanding about the real worries of those who work in compliance and fin crime within the banks what assurance can you offer up and how blockchain can or cannot be harnessed for compliance purposes so you know we spend a great deal of time working um with not only with Barclays, but as a company ourselves with compliance, but but talking to financial institutions, making them understand what is and what isn't possible um, in terms of the the requirements that they have to to uh, follow the the regulatory regime, um, as well as how it can help them in the future. Now, they have since created a a framework by which they can now allow. Uh, at least Bitcoin companies to bank with them. So that's the big uh, milestone that Barclays have achieved, right? So with Circle uh, getting the e-money license and Innovation Hub uh, granted by the FCA in the UK, uh, they're now able to um, uh, bank Circle. And with that, there are going to be other companies um, that are going to be banked by Barclays as well. What the problem the problem with bitcoin particularly is like reversibility it's um pseudonymity and it's a, the mining fees that you're paying with every transaction um and and of course with bitcoin the, the it has been the problem that it had a nev- negative sort of branding in the media uh in the negative media polarization that happened um but those the last one are they have overcome and i'm surprised that that they are fine with the other three um, since it is conflicting with the existing regulatory uh, framework that that the banks have to deal with, um, 
now going forward, of course, one could argue that that let's let's stay with Bitcoin, but Bitcoin is a new type of digital cash, and as such, if you compare compare that to regular cash, it's it's uh, much more traceable than cash is. Um, you can look at the propagation of Bitcoins on the network and you can tell a great deal about that transactional flow and there where it touches the in and out points to the regular economy, you 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 can identify those in and out points and you can actually see where money moves from A to B. Um, that's totally impossible with cash and that's the main reason why the central banks are pushing for the abolishment of cash and try to embrace the digital currency. So uh, are, are, are the financial institutions pretty much going to take care of adoption for us? Or do you believe that working against the financial institutions are going to speed up adoption or possibly delay it? I think that everybody will try to do their own thing. Um, but then we're, then we're coming back to, you know, what is the blockchain? Which blockchains are there? And which one is going to work? And what is the analogy that we have to apply to see which one is going to work on the global scale. Are we talking about the intranet versus the internet? Or are we talking about something else that can can coexist and independently exist and doesn't need to be uh, connected to the, the, the bigger whole? If we're talking about a network te- technology, which I think it is, and we're talking about something that needs to operate on a global scale at a fraction of a second and be, um, uh, be interoperable with uh, with services, then you probably are uh, ending up with something that is a global ledger, that is a main ledger and a clearing ledger. So, and there, there are currently two contenders for that, uh, which is Bitcoin, uh, of course, which is by far the largest, and and it's potentially Ethereum. That's I guess today is topping again billion a billion dollar mark, uh, which is fascinating that it's that it's uh, recovered to that price within such a short period of time again. Um, but I, I, I firmly believe that. I think there will be a myriad of different cryptocurrencies, both issued by central banks and corporations, and those will need to be interoperable in an, in a very efficient way. And when it comes to smart contract technology but and the cryptocurrencies, they need to find a way to have uh, a single clearing ledger. So um, Bitcoin is trying to solve that scalability by having side chains and a lightning network and on the smart contract side, they try to develop like uh, what Rootstock is doing, and then Ethereum has built is more built to scale from day one, uh, and is solving it with other other means. Um, but I think one of those, and yeah, you have Ripple as a contender, but I I'm not sh- sure that I see a lot of bottom up adoption on that one. So that, would, from my point of view, be mostly a top down implementation. Um, so so I have my bet on on Ethereum or Bit. Bitcoin being the ultimate clearing system for uh, all of these currencies and, and contracts. That's definitely the way we, I think we view it here is that we have a very healthy market and environment of varying cryptocurrencies for varying uses and an ultimate backbone that kind of is, allows them to all interoperate amongst each other seamlessly and frictionlessly. And it's going to be interesting to see how the two interplay the two I guess the two titans that are that are currently on interplay I personally believe that like Bitcoin is useful as money and it does a really good job of being money whereas Ethereum does a very good job of doing everything else it's the oil to like Ethereum's oil and Bitcoin is gas or not sorry not gas but money hmm. 
Well, yeah, they use it. They, they talk about gas and Ethereum, right? So I, yeah. that's a fair, <laughs> fair mistake. Uh, um, go ahead. I've heard that analogy before. Like the, the so you, you said Bitcoin, the gold, and Ethereum, the oil. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, I, uh, so could you specify that like gold? So because Bitcoin represents the cash aspect and and potential global reserve currency and oil as a means to um, make the fundamental like smart contract platform um, or interaction work uh, when it deals with clearing and 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 um, what it, how would we describe it? Um, yeah, exactly. It's used, I mean, oil yeah. is, is specifically used to make things go. It's not, it, and that's where it gets an inherent value. We we find that it's we have to use it in order to use all of the applications and things that we want to do. But no one's actually trading oil, although there's a lot of value in it. Whereas gold, it's the storage of value, and you can you can trade the actual idea or trade trade the thing, the gold, for um, goods or services as opposed to making something go. You're not putting it into an, applica an application, and that's what and that's what powers it. And it's, I, I kind of see the interplay of those two cryptocurrencies in, in a very similar light. Yes, I'm slightly skeptical of um, Bitcoin being able to continue to be the digital gold if Ethereum you know, effectively can serve that function too. Um, although there will be Bitcoin bugs for a long time and it will keep stable, but I what what is withholding ultimately Ethereum for taking over that digital cash role as well? Uh, from I guess from my, I guess from the from the developer point of view, they they've never seen their their currency as a storage of value or a cryptocurrency. They've always seen it as a means to use the network. It's 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 always been implied that the purpose of the token is to be used and not so much to hoard and save and trade and, tra and, and trade. Although it can be and has those functionalities. That was never their idea. So it, it could possibly be that in the future they don't they maybe set make it more of a stable coin and how it's relative mm -hmm. to gas, so that the there won't be much of a open marketplace in terms of speculative price that Bitcoin has always had and probably will continue to have. At the same at the same time, like Vitalik when he outlined Ethereum and, and you look at the inflation rate, he put some real thought into it how it could exist as a, a cryptocurrency, right? So it's not like it's completely, um, you know, it's not not like they went for pure pure token play to enable smart contracts. At the end of the day, there was some real thought about how do we, how are the economics behind this going to work if it were to be a cryptocurrency? That's also for their fund for their funding model as well. So it, in a way, I almost feel like it's a it's a decoy. Like look at the smart contract <laughs> smart contract platform that we built. Uh, because you know, effectively, it's functioning as a as as Bitcoin in the sense of how people are trading it and what you can use it in in terms of its real economic value uh, and how you can use it as a means of exchange. Um, but I mean, that market is underdeveloped. But you you have uh, Trezor today announcing that they're going to support the the hardware wallet in Ethereum, and you have all these exchanges supporting it. Um, I, I believe there are some wallet providers that are now jumping on on board with supporting Ethereum. Uh, so there, it can really start picking up at the currency as well. That's very true. Um, I guess it's one of those emergent properties. People are going to use what's best and what's most what's 
uh, everyone else is using and what's most stable and good for their applications. So it's one of those things, I guess, that we're only really going to see as time goes on and is each of these things develop into what they end up becoming. Yeah, uh, as a disclaimer, I do hold <laughs> Ether, so, you know, you could take everything I say with a grain of salt there. I guess, yes, standard standard disclaimer. <laughs> uh, standard disclaimer. I guess the, like uh, one of the last questions, we only got a few more left. Uh, you guys created, speaking of wallets, or a wallet that is non-custodial, which differs quite a bit from other uh, leading wallets on the net. Do you, do you think it's a good idea to significantly change the way people experience Bitcoins uh, before... Um, <clears throat> before the vast majority of people experience Bitcoin in the first place? Do you think we should change the initial user experience? So, so I believe, I strongly believe in general in user experience. And I think most of the user experiences built in this this industry are just terrible. Um, and having said that, I you know, there's the reason behind uh, going non-custodial is twofold. It's, it's user choice and control. It's also regulatory. Like we, we are not going to be uh, holding people's funds and it's security as well. Um, however, what we see as a long-term vision for our platform is to um, give people choice. So if you want to have a custodial wallet, then, then that should be possible. We would be, you know, working with a third-party supplier to make that happen. Our idea is of Cephalo as a UI UX platform to the blockchain and, and cryptocurrency uh, space. So we are uh, really positioning ourselves as um, essentially a sort of the slack of financial services where we we provide a UI UX um, uh, to different services. And I think for us, it makes a lot of sense to go with a non-custodial setup in that sense because we don't want to uh, uh, become a bank and we don't want to um, uh, holds customer funds in that way, and we've we've not everybody knows it, but we've done the same with our our brokerage model. We don't actually hold bitcoins. Uh, we work with third party liquidity suppliers, uh, where we would do order matching. So we're not in, in the classic exchange either, um, or classic brokerage model. Oh, so you're you're kind of more along the lines of, although it may from the outside look like you are bank, but what you're really doing is providing services and allowing people to do whatever the hell they want without putting any liability on you as a company. That's the, uh, that's the way we set it up. And that's definitely the long-term objective as well. Um, you want to create as much possibility, as much choice within um, what we believe is a great UI UX platform. Uh, but you don't want to limit the experience and you don't want to have responsibility for those third-party uh, services that, that those customers are going to be uh, our customers are going to be using i personally think that's the right outlook and and what i think the new the new positive trend in what companies are doing and what this technology allows for uh we have one more question for you uh in 10 words or less can you describe bitcoin uh good question (laughs) (laughs) that's typically the one people have most trouble with or they at least gives pause uh three so I, I will say um, it's three things. It's the, the the network blockchain that is a means to exchange assets or exchange value. It's Bitcoin, the token, which can you know has taken the form of a currency. Um, and then the other other side of the token, pun intended, or the side of the coin, pun intended, uh, <laughs> is that it's. Uh, it can represent any type of value that you exchange on it. So um, 
that there, there's never really like a 10 word explanation to Bitcoin I, unless you go on like a visionary statement that it's going to change everything. So we can, yeah, that's kind of why we like, why we like the, uh, the question. It, it forces people to try and you end up getting quite a range. You run the whole gamut of, of, of what people think and especially when it's on the spot. And if I guess if we were to give you three chances at that, you nailed all three of them. <laughs> yeah, <good enough. laughs> oh man. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for giving up your, your lunch hour. Hope we didn't take up too much of your time. The anxiety is over. We finally connected after three weeks. I enjoyed that. Thank yeah, you. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that as well. Thanks a lot for your time. All right, have a good day, guys. Cheers. All right, you too. You too thanks. Frank. And that was the, sorry, that was not good. That's not how I come in. And that was the interview with Cephalo, Cephalo, Cephalo's CEO. He said Cephalo. Cephalo? <laughs> he said Cephalo. Uh, Frank Chia with the very, very remarkable Justin Timberlake circa 2001 hairstyle rocking it rocking that shit um yeah man it was a great interview so fellow i can't say that word screw it they're doing a good job is that so a compliment like, i think it's a compliment man justin timberlake is a fucking baller like that that there's no dispute there in 2002 he wasn't now <laughs> he is now he is in 2002 he wasn't because all of us were jealous because he he was the item that every chick we knew wanted to bank we were he was gonna school. have you naked by the end of the song. Bounsk, 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 bounsk. Okay, moving on. I, just, <laughs> I really hope somebody will follow up on that. <laughs> no, I wanted to make that. I wanted to make that nice and quiet. <laughs> Nevertheless, was a great interview. If you are interested, they're pretty Eurocentric, from what I know. Um, they, if you're in Europe. And you want to do Bitcoin shit, then you need to hit up Cephalo. Um, or at least research them because they do a good job over there. Um, and they really did a great job on their square spacing. Every, Marcello, I know you don't like it. I, is it tend, Squarespace? It, it, it just looks like it. I mean, they all look the same. That's, the that's HTML5, dude. That's what the new way web, web development's done. It's just how things are done typically with HTML5 and CSS. I think though with HTML5 yeah. you can be a little more creative than infinite scroll and then here's a blog of information with some little cartoony icons with very limited information. And it's then meta, a little more. It's just the meta of web pages right now. Also, yeah, look this, at, this go format to GMAX. works really well no matter what this format works really well no matter what device you're on. And I think that's why it's so popular is that it formats well to whatever to, to it's device agnostic. Your iPad, your phone, your computer, whatever. It'll change though. I mean, this is just the standard. GDAX's website is is following this trend. This very scrolly, it's so responsive beautiful. UI. It's, oh, I hate I'm things that are responsive. It, whatever. You hate responsive Long things. Responsive. That was being sarcastic. I know. I was. I knew it was sarcasm. I was just saying. Look at Ethereum. Ethereum.com is the same shit. I know. I mean, what, what is GDAC? Three lines. Three lines is their logo. Yeah. So is lawnmowers. Is that just the go-to? Ah, line, excuse line, me, line. sir. Those are actually line segments. So let's let's get that straight. 
Mess. It looks like a hot dog. We're gonna make fun of GDAX and Coinbase until Brian Armstrong <laughs> comes on the fucking show and stops just liking my tweets. Like this is a clear invitation to come on the podcast. You don't just like it and retweet it <laughs> and not respond to it. It's like, oh, I like you the show. I like that tweet. I like that you asked me that. Thanks. <laughs> I'll tweet them and be like, your logo looks like a blue hot dog. Hashtag blue hot dog. So Imagine taking that to like a regular life situation. Uh, w- would you like me to start you off with some appetizer, sir? I like that you asked me that. Like what? No, you don't even say anything. Question. You click, like if there was like a, a cereal like button, you just clicked it and stared at them. <laughs> Pull it out of your pocket. I don't like that. Anyways, we should probably be talking about something in regards to Bitcoin, blockchain, Ethereum, any of the things that we typically discuss and should be brought up. I wanted to talk about Coinbase and GDAX and Fred, but Fred Eshram, I, I believe that's how you say his name. Specifically, he wrote this Medium blog. The And I'm not saying this isn't fishy because it's way fishy. He like released this Medium blog the morning the GDAX exchange opens up. Basically taking a big old steamy dump on Bitcoin and jerkity jerkins lotion it all over Ethereum, all over Ether. And that's okay. I mean, obviously he's a businessman. He's like, hey, if I'm opening this new exchange and I'm adding this new, uh, these new pegs, the Ether to Bitcoin, Ether to USD pegs, obviously I want my brand new product to, to shine. You know, it's, it's, it's a great, play but the thing that i didn't know that much about that i thought was like oh wow that's the big difference is in his medium post he shows a script for bitcoin as an example and then a script for ethereum and the script for bitcoin is almost unreadable but the script for ethereum is just very easy and intuitive for someone with limited programming skills to pick up and understand and so I just want to know how you, Corey, since you do a lot of programming, feel about that. Oh, in terms of the programming side, Solidity is – is so what I personally like about Ethereum and what they've done is that they've provided tools in the framework of the platform that makes it incredibly easy to pick up and start making – Software, and this is a lot of the, like this is a lot of the reasons and, and problems that he outlined in that blog post is that Bitcoin, it's taken a long time to get to a point where people can start developing things, and they're still not developing anything crazy and new and, and and exciting. There are, don't get me wrong, crazy new and exciting things that have been developed since Bitcoin started, but they're not spreading out. With Bitcoin, with Ethereum, you have a lot of really incredibly innovative things happening all at once, some of which, most of which will probably fail. But you're having people try to do things. And that's because it's easy for developers to pick it up and start trying to create things. It's difficult to learn the Bitcoin programming language because it was purposefully limited in what it could do for safety reasons. Um. And once that was figured out that you can have a Turing-complete language, much more of a a human-readable software language relative to what people now use for web development and 
and other things like Python and JavaScript. It's very human readable. It's intuitive when you read what the program does as you're reading the source code. Uh, it's easy to just make, it's make, you know, let's, I'm going to try to make this. And then you essentially say it to yourself, how it should work in terms of pseudocode and the actual source code looks something very similar to it. And that's, what's outstanding about Ethereum and why you're seeing so much development and new innovation coming from there is that you have a lot of development, a lot of developers flocking to it because it's, it's low hanging fruit. There is no real low-hanging fruit in Bitcoin because it's just, it's there's a, there's a high entrance barrier, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's artificial and needs to change, and that's something like what Block is doing is trying to make that change with introducing smart contracts to Bitcoin using languages people already know, so they don't have to learn Solidity, mm-hmm. the Ethereum programming language. I don't, I don't know. It's I, I I've the, a lot of what he said rang true with my feelings about Bitcoin and, and, and Ethereum and other coins in the current state of them and probably a lot of other people's. Uh, and they almost need a gut check in terms of where they're going to be in the future if they continue along the path they've, they've been on over the past year and a half. Mm-hmm. I mean, so where does this put the environment of everything? Is it... It seemed weird to me, but genius to me that he would like, oh, I'm going to shit on one and make one super duper awesome because obviously it's going to put some volume. My it's way. it's marketing. It. He didn't shit it's on marketing. it though. I don't know. I, I don't it like, is. I don't like that. He didn't shit on it. He, he pointed out real problems that everyone's having. It's just when the problems are bad, you say you got shit on. It's no, you're just being real. So, then, but yes, there is definitely a marketing aspect to it. <laughs> Bartel, you can go along with that one. His statement was was clearly designed to bring more ether attention to Coinbase's new platform, and that's it. That's that's yeah. the main thing. You think that was the ultimate underlying goal to releasing the blog post? I think so. It worked, man. I think it worked, and it's going to keep working. It's it's clear the market is speaking, and it, it's also very clear that we're on the precipice of. I mean. For those of you that are just in this for the buck, I mean, the price it was resilient for Bitcoin and resilient for Ethereum at the same time. In fact, they're really playing off of each other. It's a delicate dance. It's like a samba between Bitcoin and Ether right now. And for those of you that are invested in this and have wealth in this thing, it's a real vote of confidence and you can rest even easier at night that this the the likelihood of digital currency being things that people use you know for their flaming hot cheetos or for the jalapeno cheddar cheetos like you weirdos in the audience so good well the weirdos as a host as well uh you, oh you know what i just had a light bulb moment while you're talking about cheetos remember we interviewed lubin and he said that he worked at goldman sachs yes and i just saw that fred Ursam is a former Goldman Sachs trader. Mm. So <laughs> Ethereum was so e- Ethereum was was founded by uh, Lubin. And no, it wasn't. no, it wasn't. He was a software development director in cryptography co-founder. and finance. Lubin was a co-founder. He's a co-founder. So him and yeah, that's right. Go ahead, Cello. I interrupted you. He's, he's... 
background in finance? Sorry, it, it, the news sounded bigger in my head. Sorry, it, yeah, you, you really didn't sell that well. <laughs> Sorry. you're no. like light bulb, Lubin, Eshram, boom. I'm starting. To, I, I don't know. I just wanted to think it was some kind of, I don't know, marketing tactic, but I don't know, man. I don't. So, is there anything Bitcoin can do that Ethereum can't? Have I don't know tens of no. millions of dollars behind it. Has, it. it had the network effect, and it has, and it's right now. It's it's more secure. Yeah. And we'll is it and, okay? Yeah, it's it's also more stable. It has a, it has a much better stability than Ethereum. Uh, you think now, like the core team is killing Bitcoin? That doesn't mean that the, it, it will always be that way. And we have to treat it the way it is now, but be open to things changing in the future. Wow. Because it, Ethereum may not always be volatile, and it may not be the you know go fast and break things mentality, which Lubin didn't quite like that. Uh, but you know, it's the development aspect of Ethereum may the development aspect won't slow down, but the underlying technology and protocol may become much more solid and stable depending on what happens in the future. Because they're trying to, I mean, their their underlying goal is to work on scalability from the start. If Bitcoin fails to scale or continues along the road it is, we're just stuck in mud in terms of the development of working on scaling, then it will fall behind. Wait. And I'm not saying that it's going to, I'm saying it's a possibility that it can. And that's what, I think that's what that article was trying to say. And one more thing before you interject me. Uh, Coinbase is a for-profit company. And although it's the largest and probably most influential company in cryptocurrency space right now, it's still for profit. And we have to take what they say and their motivations behind things with a grain of salt like Marcello is doing. And a lot of people just believe at face value anything they say. And it should be what is what is truth. And I and I, I probably fall prey to that as well. So. You know, trying to think of it in terms of a company trying to make profits is something we should take at least take into consideration. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Do you would you think that maybe Joseph uh, was just lubing up Coinbase to accept Ether? Oh, good God! <laughs> How long have you been holding on to that? For a very long time, very long time. You're you're so excited with yourself because you said that. I am. I'm very I'm very pumped about it. Lubin, uh, Lubin. Anyways, um, we can probably wrap it up on that. We can probably wrap it up on that. I don't think you can really continue after that. No, I'm I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so let's let's do our plugs. Let's tell people who we are. Um, before we do our plugs, I guess we should, let's get it sorted on the air. Are we going to open up Slack to more people or is that going to get too hectic and we should, you know, trickle out the invites? Well, I got a shout send out. Send us an email if you want to be on. We'll vet you. Yeah. Send us an email yeah. if you want to be on. Your toolbox, you won't get on. If you're, if you're a decent human being, you will. Cool. That's pretty much how it goes. Cello, what'd you say? What are you saying? Shout out to Dagger Hashimoto for washing his balls and his nipples while he listens to us in the shower. Yeah, man. <laughs> that was a great critique you gave us. And I'm glad that our silky smooth radio voices help you clean your body. So, uh, yay for showers and podcasting in the shower. That's what he said. 
and uh, more of you guys should try it. It's probably fun. So, um, and oh, oh, well, last thing we're uh, we're coming full circle this weekend. Our very first guest, Tawanda Kembo, yes. is coming back, and and with everything going on around Africa's economy since the last time he was on, the rise in inflation rate um, is. 14% compared to 8% when he first came on. Um, as so he it, cash as prices. he put it. So um, do we say Bitcoin instead of fiat currency or gold? We will talk to him Well, and uh, come full circle on that. There's some very big nuggets of hope for cryptocurrency in Africa right now. We'll say that as an exclusive. Like, damn, it feels like, like Saturday morning cartoons on the next episode. Of the Bitcoin podcast, we're gonna fucking talk about Africa. So <laughs> the um, only podcast where you can get two black people talking about Bitcoin on the same show. Two black people from different continents. Absolutely, absolutely. Anyways, we made it racial, which makes things awkward for people. So we're gonna end it. The Bitcoin Podcast dot com as our website. Also, sneaky us. The blockchainpodcast.com is also our website. Ha ha ha. Because we're awesome. So if you type in the blockchainpodcast.com, guess where you go? You go to us. So boom. Um, also, uh, at the BTC podcast on Twitter, um, hit it up. Cello runs it. We all respond to stuff on there. Uh, we like to be active on there. Um, quick shout out to Zoe Saldana. I still love you, boo. Um, <laughs> what else do we do? That's the Facebook. Enough. Yeah, Facebook is out there. Also, iTunes. We don't get a lot of love on iTunes. We did at first, but if you're listening with iTunes and you got your phone on you and you want to go to iTunes and give us a five star review, hit us up with a five star review. If it's a four star, please don't leave that shit go elsewhere with it we don't want that we want the five stars okay uh, i think we gotta go google play google play we're on google and we're trying play. to get on spotify and we're trying to get on spotify we're we're out there man we're definitely in the ether yeah that was a pun so uh, okay all right um uh, play the outro